If you've got your outline, open it up. All the scripture that we're going to use is uh, right there on your outline. It'll also be on the side screens. If you're watching at home, great time for you to download the outline. You can just put it on pause. Come right back in just a second and um, print that out so you can fill it in or at least download it to your device so that you can kind of fill it in with your finger or with your stylus or whatever you do. And um, I'm excited that God is going to encourage you today and give you some hope. We're talking about how to stay how to keep staying hopeful. This is our 17th message in the book of James. Um, we've been in James forever, y'all. And Julie said, yep, we got a couple more weeks until we go into the Stones of Remembrance. But I've, I'm, I'm planning on just go ahead and keep on going through James all the way till Christmas, maybe till New Year's. We're going to spend half a year in James because there's so much more that we can apply to our lives. When we began this series, I told you that James is written to people to Christians, James, the, the book of James was written to Christians whose lives were turned upside down in a global persecution. Not a pandemic for them, but a global persecution. And James was writing to encourage everybody that was going through that with principles of how to persevere through tough times. So I believe if James was alive right now with us here, he would be very sympathetic to what we're going through, to all the different things that 2020 has brought to our doorstep because James cared about people who are in pain. And I know some of you have been through some painful situations in the last. It's going on. This will start our ninth month, depending on how you count it. You know, for me, I don't count it till March because on February 28th, we were still at Disney thing and everything was fine. And then the last time we had a big crowd in this room, we had 250 people for Gloria's funeral. Gloria Brashears' funeral was on March the 14th. March the 15th is when they started reducing the number of people we could have at church. And then, you know, so however you, can, however you count it, it's eight months. It's the beginning of the ninth month. And I know it's been, it's been just crazy. So James knew that hope is essential. Hope is essential for enduring tough times. Human beings can handle a lot of frustration, an enormous amount of frustration and delay and even pain as long as we know that there is hope. But when hope is gone, people give up. People give up. That's why James says in James 5.8, this is today's English version, you must be patient. Keep your hopes high. Remember, he's talking about people who are going through problems like we're going through problems. Be patient. Keep your hopes high, for the day of the Lord's coming is near. I want you to circle on your outline, click a pen, and circle that phrase, keep your hopes high. Because that's what I want us to look at this morning. Keep your hopes high. Several other translations say, don't give up hope. So let me just ask us all the question as we start this morning. How are you doing with this? How well are you keeping your hopes high during the COVID pandemic? How, high, how are you keeping your hopes high during this political climate? Do you kind of feel, feel like the air is leaking out of your balloon and your little family is drifting back to calamity? Or do you kind of feel like the air is, drift, is leaking out of your tires and you're just slowly getting stuck in the mud? You see, today, 
we know that we, if we keep our hope high, we can make it through almost anything. The more we learn about hope, the more we realize how essential it is for our spiritual health, our mental health, our emotional health, even our physical health. I want to read you some statements from some very famous doctors, several of them. I can't pronounce their names, so I'm just not going to try. A famous cardiologist once said, hope is the medicine I use more than any other. Hope can cure nearly everything, end quote. Another doctor wrote and said, if you lead a person to believe there is no hope, he said, you drive another nail in his coffin. Still another doctor, I'll try this one, Armand Nicoli wrote, psychiatrists have long known that hope fosters health, both physically and emotionally, and hopelessness can appreciably shorten your life. So today I want us to look at how to keep staying hopeful, even in the circumstances we're going through. You see, as long as we can have some hope to hold on to, we can keep holding on. As long as we have some hope to hold on to, we can even continue to move forward during tough times. So what does James have to say about hope? How do I keep on being hopeful even though all of the news around me, globally, nationally, probably even locally, just doesn't seem to be getting any better. It just seems to be bad news America all the time. Well, James tells us that hope is based on knowledge. You hear that? Hope is based on knowledge. It's what we know that gives us hope. Whenever Nancy and I have, ha- have felt hopeless in our lives, in our past, I know you think, you never feel, Pastor, you, you got it made. You guys have got the perfect family. You guys got the perfect man. Have you, do you not know us? You know, just look at me, okay? Some of you know we've had some difficult times in our life. We've had some difficult situations, tough situations in our marriage. Whenever we have felt hopeless, I have continued to say this phrase, we have to go back to what we know. And usually that begins with us pulling out a blank pad, a white pad, and say, what we know. God loves us, number one thing we know. God has a plan for us, number two thing we know. We're going to win in the end, number three. Listen, you got to go back to what you know. Because what we know, what we know gives us hope. That's what James said. And by the way, if you don't know what God says and you don't know the truth, it's no wonder you live in a life of hopelessness. So throughout the book of James, he gives us seven reasons for hope in difficult times. These are seven promising truths that God has given to all of us as Christians. And if we remember them and we hold on to them, If we trust God and trust his word, then we'll have the hope to make it through the tough days that are ahead. Or maybe the tough months or the tough years that are ahead. We're going to make it through this pandemic. We're going to make it through this political craziness. We're going to make it through whatever the world throws at us. Whether it's political polarization and protests or whether it's pandemics and Yemen 
whatever vaccines they say or therapies they say. James says, look, we got to keep our faith in God and his word because that's what's going to keep us hopeful during difficult times. And he gives us seven, seven big reasons. Let's just get into them. If you've got your pencil or your pen, click that. And I want to talk about how faith in God and his word keeps us hopeful in difficult times. And number one, we have hope because, number one, we know that the difficulties won't last. We know they won't last. These tough times, these difficult situations, they're not going to last. No matter what we're going through, no matter what the circumstance we face, no matter how big the problem we're facing, it's temporary. No problem comes into our life to stay. They come to pass, not to stay. It passes through our life. Even if it's a chronic, lifelong problem, we're not going to take that into eternity with us. It didn't come to stay. It came to pass. When we understand that the problems in our life are temporary and that none of them are going to last in light of eternity, they're pretty short, then that becomes a lot more manageable. People can handle a lot if they know that there's an end or that there's a purpose in the problems. This is what James reminds us of in James 5.10. This is a message paraphrase. He says, take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything. They put up, they went through everything. And they never once quit. All the time honoring God. James says, these guys knew what difficult times were. And they knew they weren't permanent. They knew they were temporary. And they would not last. Like I said last week, I know that COVID-19 has lasted a lot longer than we thought it would, that we wanted it to, that they told us it would. It's 15 days of flattening the curve. It's 30 more days. It's like forever now. And that's so discouraging. What should we do when we're discouraged? We have to look beyond. We have to look towards eternity. We focus on the eternal. We live in light of eternity. Now, you hear me say stuff like that all the time. When I hear someone say stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, so what does that look like in real life? Because, Jerry, from the platform and you say we live for eternity, we look towards eternity in light of eternity, what does that mean practically? I'm going to tell you what that means practically. Turn off the news. Open up the word. That's what it looks like. You want to live in light of eternity with your eyes on eternity? Turn off the news. Open up the word. Okay, maybe that means, look, I love reading the Bible on my phone. I got the Bible app. Maybe that means, though, you got to, you got to, because when you read the Bible on the Bible app, you still have, like, notifications pop in. American Express just charged you. Or you have, has a, you know, Amazon has a sale. Ooh, look at that squirrel. You know, there's just so many memes, so many things to distract you. So maybe you got to. You got to put your your phone down and open up the word. Maybe you got to close your laptop and put this in your lap and start reading so that you can block out the distractions. And I'm telling you, when we spend more time with our face in the book than on Facebook, our our hope goes up. And our discouragement, our despair, our depression, all, all depression, all that goes down. 
Don't take my word for this. 2 Corinthians 4.18, the Apostle Paul says it this way. We fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. Because what can be seen is temporary and will last only for a short time. But what cannot be seen will last forever. Everything we see is material. This table, the, the, the instruments behind me, the chairs you're sitting in, the building you're in, if you're watching at home, the couch you're in, the lazy boy you're in, your house, all the trees if you're out under the pavilion, all the birds you hear singing, all of that's going to be gone. It's going to crumble. It's going to decay. It's going to rust away. There's no, the immaterial things of this world are what's going to last forever. God, you can't see God. He's going to last forever. You can't see your soul. It's going to last forever. If we in, want to increase our hope, we need to change our perspective. We need to stop looking at just the here and now. And, and like I said, everything that's on the news, you know, all everything you're watching on the news, it's all going to be go away someday. It's not eternal. But God and his word and our soul, that's eternal. So there's a second reason God says. First, it's not going to last These problems aren't going to last. These difficulties aren't going to last. Second, the reason we can have hope is because we know that God's using these difficulties. He's going to use it for good in my life and in your life. We know it's not only temporary, but we know he's using it for good in our lives. Almost all Christians, and certainly every Christian that comes to Seminole Community Church, because we quote this verse at least once a month, sometimes four times a month, We all know Romans 8.28, the great promise. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But James gives us a little bit more information, additional information about what God is, is doing, how he's working for good. He explains the specific good that God is doing in our lives during these difficult times. He says, He says it very plainly that God is using this pandemic, this COVID crisis. He's using using this political unrest and this polarization. He's using all of these circumstances to grow my character. He's using it to grow our character and to help us to mature and grow up. This is the second thing we can be hopeful about, James. He goes all the way back to the beginning of James. In fact... James 1, verse 2, it's the second verse in the whole letter. He says, My brothers and sisters, when you have many kinds of troubles, you should be full of joy because you know. There's that phrase, because you know, again. Remember, knowledge, what we know, gives me hope. Because you know that these troubles test your faith, and this will give you patience. So let it grow. Let the patience grow. For when your endurance is fully developed... Hear that? When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. That's the good God's doing in our lives through all of the bad that's come through 2020. He's helping us to be fully developed in patience, endurance, and strong in character. Ready for anything. Now, I know what you're probably thinking right now. You might be thinking, well, Jerry, I I don't feel very strong. 
I don't feel like I'm growing in strength during this pandemic or I'm growing in strength during this whole political season or I'm growing in strength in this economy or our family's been one of the ones we've lost our job. I don't feel like I'm growing in strength. Maybe you're feeling pretty tired. Everybody's kind of, I mean, if you've been homeschooling your kids, you're, you're tired. You're depleted. But here's the thing. One day in the future, we're going to look back. I'm going to be up here. Ten years from now, I'm going to be standing up here. You're going to be sitting. You're still going to be with us. You're still going to be sitting right there. And we're going to be talking about, remember back in 2020? And we're going to be saying, remember how God used that to grow us, to stretch our faith, to build our spiritual muscles. And we're going to be looking back at 2020 when it's in the rearview mirror, far rearview mirror. We're going to be looking back and think, man, remember how close we were to God during that time? Remember how God used that in our lives? And we're going to look back fondly at the results, not fondly at these times, but fondly at the results that God worked into our lives during these, these terrible times. This life is preparation for the next life. I've told you that so many times. That this is the warm-up act. That this isn't the... We feel like this well, This is my whole life. Jerry, it's my life. This is why it's so matter. No, this is not your life. Your life is going to be trillions and trillions of years long. This is like one dot on this whole timeline that goes through galaxies. And inside that little dot is the 70, 80, 90 years that we're here. And we're so worried about, oh, my goodness, if this dot, you know, my dot, my dot. We're going to live forever and ever and ever. This dot is to get us ready for that. Now, this, this life is just, the, is just the first inhale. That's our whole life. Before God speaks the volumes and volumes and volumes of our history. Now don't take my word for this again. Second Corinthians 4.17. Paul writes as these little troubles. Are getting us ready for an eternal glory. That will make all of our troubles. Seem like nothing. Let me read that another way. I'm going to paraphrase. This is Jerry's paraphrase. These little troubles are getting us ready for eternal glory. That will make all of 2020 seem like nothing. In heaven, we're going to look back and, and think, what was, why was I so worried about 2020? Why did it bother me so much? God was using those tough times to, to grow me and use it for my good. So we have hope because we know the difficulties aren't temporary, are, are temporary, they're not going to last. And we have hope because we know that God's going to use them for our good and our growth. And then James gives us a third reason. We have hope because... We know that getting irritated doesn't help. Some of us, this is the part we need to focus on because you've been irritated for a long time now. Let me ask you a question. Is getting irritated, getting distraught, is getting distressed or angry about this pandemic or about politics or about anything else that you can't change, has it ever been helpful to you? Has it ever changed anything? No, it just makes the situation worse. It just spills out over your kids and over your, your family and makes it unbearable. I see so many angry people. So many angry people today. They're angry about the pandemic. They're angry about politics. They're angry you don't agree with their politics. They're angry you're angry that you don't agree with their politics. They don't agree with your politics. They're mad at the government. They're mad at the media. 
They're mad at experts. Both sides of experts they're mad at. They're mad at people who won't wear a mask, and they attack them. And they're mad at people who wear a mask, or make them wear a mask and attack them. How is any of this helping? How is all this anger helping? Your irritation doesn't change anything. It doesn't help anyway. It's just making me and you and everybody else more miserable. Again, don't take my word for this. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Understand this, Christians. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You see that verse? Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. By the way, we should all probably memorize that verse. So getting irritated, getting cranky, getting upset. Do you get upset at home? Do your family have a name for it? Mine does. Nancy says, We're not ready. we don't need scary Jerry right now. People are like, does she really say that? I said, oh, yeah, regularly. <laughs> you know, she, she knows the signs, the, the tremors, the early, early warning system, right? She's like, we don't need Scary Jerry right now. Like, like we ever need Scary Jerry. Um, yeah, so I get all amped up and overreact and start getting fuming about something. that Just it never helps. Sometimes I'll say to people, it's so rhetorical. I'll say, this is making me upset. And they always say the same thing. Mm, we can tell. <laughs> you didn't have to. You didn't. That's not new information. <laughs> you know, no kidding. Right? You, you show it. Um, listen, when we get angry, when we get all spinning out of control, when we get all fuming our nostrils, getting all scary, Jerry, it never helps the situation. James he knows we're like this. And he, he hits it on the head all the time. That we try to control the uncontrollable. We got all upset. And he says, you're diminishing the very hope that you need to get through this situation when you do that. Getting irritated never helps. He says in James 5, 9, don't complain or grumble. Circle complain or grumble. Don't complain or grumble about each other, brothers and sisters. For you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. He's saying, hello, God's standing right over there. Hello, God's listening to all this you know. Hello, God reads your Facebook feed. Scary. See, we get cranky. We get all amped up. We start attacking. Have you been guilty of doing any of this in your home? Grumbling, complaining? Let me just say it as... As succinctly as I can, this is kind of a dub, but it needs to be said. You see, the pandemic is not your kid's fault. The political unrest is not your spouse's fault. But your kids and your spouse are the ones who get the overflow, the spillover of all the anger, all the rage, all the grouchiness. And they're the ones who suffer. And it's not their fault. Duh, right? It doesn't, so why don't we just try to be a little more aware that irritation and anger doesn't work. And it doesn't help the situation in our houses. 
I really love that James understands that, yes, you as humans, you get angry. But then he's also willing to say, and it doesn't work, and it never has, and it never will. He also points out that it crushes the very hope that your family needs to make it through this time. So our faith helps us to have hope. And when we start feeling hopeless, we've got to remember what you know gives you hope. We've got to remember what we know. We know this difficulty is not going to last. And we know God's going to use every problem to grow me and to grow character in me. And we know getting angry about it or irritable about it doesn't help anyway. And then he gives us a fourth thing. This is the fourth source of hope. Our faith keeps us hopeful because we know that trusting God pleases him. We know trusting God pleases him. You know, when we continue to trust God, when we don't have all the answers, when we continue to trust God in the pandemic circumstances, when we continue to trust God, when there's all this political turmoil and and protests and, and all this craziness going on, when brothers and sisters are at each other's throats, when we continue to trust God, even when we don't see how this is all going to work out, it makes God happy when we trust him. God smiles when we trust him. Every parent knows this. One of the greatest feelings as a parent of a parent is when your kids say, Mom, Dad, I trust you. I don't know why all this bad stuff is happening in my life. I don't know why my life is such a big mess, but I trust you. I know you love me, and I know you want what's best for me, so I trust you. And parents are like, yes! And that's how God is when you trust him. You say, God, I know you love me, and I know you want what's best for me, so I'm going to trust you, even when life doesn't make any sense, especially when life doesn't make any sense. James gives us a classic example of trusting God when you don't know the who, what, where, when, and how in the life of Abraham. Because God often put Abraham in difficult circumstances, and he didn't tell him when or where. God says, follow me, Abraham. And Abraham's like, where are we going? And he says, I'll tell you when we get there. Or, you know, Abraham's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, he was the first kid in the back seat, right? And and he just follows God, even though he doesn't know where, doesn't know how long, doesn't know when we'll get there. Can we trust God without having all of our questions answered? Can we trust God without knowing what's going to happen with this pandemic? Can we trust God not knowing what's going to happen on Tuesday at the election? Can we trust God not knowing what's going to happen with the market or the real estate or the you know, or the retirement, or the economy, or any of that. See, Abraham doesn't know when or where or why, but he knows that God's working in his life. Look what it says in James 2, 23. Abraham believed God, and because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. So Abraham was called God's friend. Now that's like one of those, whoa, verses to me. Because he trusted God when he didn't understand who, what, where, when, He trusted him, and God accepted him and calls him righteous and calls him his friend. Wouldn't you want to know God as your friend? How would you like to be? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought of being called God's friend? Would you like to have that kind of closeness with God that you knew that he, you knew him on a personal enough basis where God called you his friend? 
See, maybe you've known about God, but you've never thought of God that way. Maybe you never thought that it's possible to be a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. How do you even become a friend of God, Jerry? You do it the same way Abraham did. You put your trust in God, even when you don't know all the answers to all the questions. Or especially when you don't know all the answers to all the questions, you put your trust in God. You, you become a friend of God by trusting him who sent his son to die on the cross for your sins, putting your trust in Jesus, you become God's child and God's friend. We become a friend of God by trusting him with everything that's going on in our life, even in global pandemic, even in political turmoil, even in the unknowns of the circumstances, even in 2020. There's a fifth reason for hope that James gives us. We hope because we know that Jesus is coming back someday. Because we know Jesus is coming back someday. That's a reason for hope. Now James talks about this several times in in his letter, his book. But the truth is, Jesus is coming back. His second coming is talked about all through Scripture. More than Scripture talks about his first arrival at Christmas 2,000 years ago. Right before Jesus goes to the cross and then right bef- and then ascends on into heaven, John records in John 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says this. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and when everything is ready, I will come back to get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He says, look, I'm going to go. I'm going to prepare a place, and then I'm going to come back to get you, and I'm going to take you to the place that I'm preparing. Now, this is a promise from your Savior. Is Jesus a liar? Not a trick question. The answer is, no! You know, the answer is, is Jesus a liar? Hmm, uh, no. No, is Jesus a liar? No! Of course he's not. He's talking about heaven. He's going to prepare heaven. And when is Jesus coming back? We don't know. People say, Pastor Jerry, when is Jesus coming back? I'll give you the number one answer I know. I give to almost all the Pastor Jerry stump the pastor questions. I don't know. Read your Bible. People are like, well, what part of the Bible should I read? The whole thing. You know, just read from Genesis to Revelation. You'll be all right. For those of you who don't know, that's the whole Bible, okay? Genesis is the first, Revelation is the end. Yeah, just, just the answers are in here to most of our questions. And some of the questions are we don't know. One of the things we know that we don't know, hmm, think about that. We know we don't know. When he's coming back. Why don't we know? Or how do we know we don't know? Well, the Bible says no one knows. Only God knows. So anytime someone says, Jesus is coming back on such and such date, and they usually write a book to try to make a lot of money, don't buy that book. Just read the book you got. Okay, and here's the thing you can know. Whatever date they say, he ain't coming that day. Why? Because God says only he knows. Nobody knows. So if someone says, you know, on July the 15th of 2000, what, don't worry. You can go to the beach that day because uh, he's not coming because nobody knows. To me, it's not as important of when is he coming. Now, every day we live, we're getting closer and closer to his return. And that he's coming is significant. But when he comes, not as significant. And there's a lot of talk about it right now. Are we in the end times? It's so bad. Hey, we could be. James, they thought they were in the end times. 
It was so bad. There might be five more bads before we get to the real end times. I don't know. Have I made that clear? I don't know. Nobody knows. Have I made that clear? Nobody knows. To me, it's not as important as when, what's the date. What's more important is are we ready and are we getting, what are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting? Love God, love people. It was in that song. Love God, love people. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Get them ready. So my more important question to me is, well, what is Jesus going to do when he comes back? Well, here's what he's going to do. He's going to right all the wrongs. He's going to correct all the injustices. He's going to heal all the illnesses. He's going to judge those who have pridefully rejected him. And he's going to reward those of us who have put our trust in him. And James says when we start to get discouraged, how none of our plans are working out, and how all of this is happening to us, and how the bad guys seem to always be winning. Have you noticed that? It's like the bad guy, the, the worst guy on your block seems to be doing the best. And the worst guy in your company seems to be getting, getting ahead. And the worst guy on TV, they seem to be succeeding. And it's just not fair. Exactly. And James says, you too must be patient. Take care. Take courage. For the Lord, the coming of the Lord is near. Here's how it is in the message paraphrase. Be patient. Stay steady and strong. Because the Lord could arrive at any time. That's another reason to hope. Jesus is coming back. Now let me give you two final reasons. Number six. The sixth reason Shane gives us to hope is because we know it's not the end of the story. We know it's not the end of the story. We know what's going on right now is not the end. We might be close to the end, but we're still in the middle of the novel. The final chapter has not happened yet. Now, it's been written. Okay, I'm not saying the final chapter hasn't been written. Oh, it's been written. But we're not at that part of the story yet. We're in the middle of his story, history. And everything around us is confusing. When you're in the middle of this novel, middle of the story, history, it's confusing. It's like, I don't know what's going on. What did he say? Can you run that back? There's all this stuff that's going on. In the final chapter, the the middle of the story is often messy, perplexing, unclear. Right now with all this political stuff and all this COVID stuff, everything seems uncertain. The future is uncertain. That's why we talked about how to face an uncertain future last week. You should go listen or watch the message from last week. So the big question that everybody wants answered right now, you know the question I hear so many people saying? When is it going to get back to normal? That's what everybody's saying. That's what I hear people say. You know what I hear people say? The theme of this year really is. I just want it to be over. That's what everybody's saying. You know what they mean? They mean ten different things. I just want the election to be over. I just want the pandemic to be over. I just want the economic uncertainty to be over. I just want them to, you know, the restaurants to be. I just, you know, it's. I just want it to be over. 2020. I just want it to be over. That should be a bumper sticker. I'd buy one of those. Should be on a T-shirt. 2020. Just want it to be over. Well, it's going to be over. When are, when are things going to get back to normal, though? 
I don't know. Let me say it to you this way. I know you don't want to hear it this way, but let me say it to you this way. What if things never go back to normal? Whatever your definition of normal. We want pre-COVID. We want pre-political strife. We want peace. You know, we want us all. When are we all going to be able to stand around and hold hands and sing together again? Maybe never. When, is, when are we going to have to stop, stop worrying about this and mask and Zoom? And, I mean, could we, we just get rid of Zoom, you know? Maybe never. Can we handle that? What if it never goes back? Can we handle that? I can tell you this. I can handle it. I can handle it if we don't ever get rid of this pandemic. I can handle it if we don't ever get political peace in this country. Why can I? How can I handle it? Because I'm just going to trust God one day at a time for today. And so that's what I did yesterday. I just said, God, just let me trust you today. That's what I did last week. That's what I did last month. That's what I did last year, last decade. And that's what I'm going to do tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. It doesn't matter what comes. I'm going to get through it because I'm going to just say, God, I'm going to trust you today to get me through today. Regardless of whatever else is happening. I'm going to turn off the news, open up the book and say, God, I'm trusting you. And I invite you to do that too. And we don't have to fear the future. We just have to live for God today. He's in charge of the future. Jesus might come back. And if he doesn't come back, I'm still going to be okay. My kids are going to be okay. Why? Because I'm imploring them, trust God. My wife's going to be okay. Why? Because we're going to together decide, God, I'm going to trust you for today. I'm not going to worry about what about, what about, what if, what if, what if. You see, yeah, you can have a plan. You probably need five plans right now. But we can make it. No matter what the new world or new kind of world I don't need to know how the story is going to end. I'm trusting in the author of the story to write me the right ending. Okay? So the answer is simple. We put our, tro- our hope in God. Now, let me, let, me, let me just be absurd. You like absurd. Let me be absurd. We don't put our hope in ourselves. Don't put your hope in your pastor. Look at me. You're going to put your hope in me? You're going to put your hope in you? Look at you. Absurd. We don't put our hope in our job. It can be gone tomorrow. Even Disney could be gone. God forbid. We don't put our hope in politics. Good grief. You're going to put your hope in Washington? Hmm. We don't put our hope in the media. Are you kidding me? We don't put our hope in anything other than we put our hope in God. And this is testing that. You're going to put your hope in God or you're going to put your hope in the media, the politicians, your, 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 your retirement, your pastor. We put our hope in God. And we don't know what the end of the story is, but we don't have to know it. We don't know what our future holds, but we know who holds our future. And James reminds us, by giving an example of Job's life where everything fell apart. He says in Job five, in James 5.11, he's talking about Job. He says, what a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard of Job's staying powder, and you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. God brought it together for Job at the end. 
That's because God cares. God cared about Job. Now let me ask you, does God care about Job more than God cares about Jerry or God cares about you? No. Does God love Job more than God loves you or God loves Jerry? No. God cares. God, God cared about the details of Job's life. He cares about the detail of your life. He cared about everything in Job's life. He cares about everything in your lives. And no matter how much you've messed up your life, the first part of your life, and some of you, I've read your Facebook page, it's a mess. You know, it's like a really bad country song. You know, you, 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 you had a, a rough a rough spring break followed by a rough 20s, followed by several problems in their 30s. And, and it's like, how could God take all of that? Me- Listen, God is perfect at taking whatever you mess up, he dresses up. He takes the rest of your life and he can make it the best of your life. Even with all the junk from your past. The more checkered your past is, the more beautiful your future can be with him. Some of you got some of us have got a lot to work with. You know, we have a lot of flavor. So you can look forward to the end of the story no matter how much you've messed up the first part of your story because God has always been in control. All right, let's review these reasons for hope so far. We have faith in God, we have faith in his word, we have a reason to hope because we know it's not going to last. Our problems are temporary. Number 2, God's going to use what happens to us for good number three getting irritated is not going to help anyway number four we know god's pleased when we trust in him especially when it's crazy number five we know that jesus is coming back someday and this isn't the end of the story anyway number six and then finally number seven this is a big one we can have hope because we know that we will be rewarded we are going to be rewarded by god one day that's in heaven and in eternity I'm leading two groups through the class, The Real Heaven. It's led by Chip Ingram. Incredible, incredible class. We've been talking about rewards the last couple of weeks. God clearly promises over and over again in Scripture that if we trust him, if we remain steady, especially in difficult days, that we will be rewarded. Look what it says. He says this right at the beginning of his letter, of his book, James 1, 12. Happy are those who remain faithful under trials. Who remain faithful in difficult times. Who remain faithful in pandemics and persecutions and political strife. Happy are those who remain faithful under trials because when they succeed in passing such a test, they will receive as their reward the life which God has promised to those who love him. If I paraphrase that verse, I would say happy are those who remain faithful through 2020. That's a reward that's coming for those of us who love God and love people. When everything else is crazy, we're going to just go back to what we know. What do we know? The two greatest commands, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to know much more of the Bible. Read it all, but it's all through here like seven different times. Nine different times. So we might not understand everything that's happening around us, but we don't need to. We need to do the basics. I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself because that's what Jesus said to do. Now, I just want to tell you a little about rewards. 
I don't have time to teach this. I'm just going to read these verses. Just give you a little. 1 Corinthians 9.25. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline in order to win a prize. And that prize isn't even going to last. But we do it for one that will last forever. He's saying, you think of Olympians. They get a medal, gold, silver, bronze. You think of Little League kids. They get a trophy. You know, I can't even remember all. I don't even know where all the trophies are that I won. I keep that one I keep dragging out every year, Mr. SHS. But all the rest of them are gone. All your trophies are going to end up in some landfill somewhere. He says, we work so hard for that trophy that it's going to be gone. Yet, those of us who are believers, we're working for a reward that will last forever and ever and ever. First Peter 1, six. so be glad. This is wonderful joy ahead. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though right now you're having to endure suffering, trials, grief for a little while. So be glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though right now you're having to endure 2020 for a little while. What I'm saying is, when you're discouraged, don't give up. Look up. Don't give up. Look up. Romans 8.18 says, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will give us later. There's a paraphrase I love in the message of that same verse. There's no comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. So let me ask you, what are you putting your hope in? Are you putting your hope in some election and some elected human beings that are going to solve all your problems? Fat chance. Are you putting your hope in some vaccine and some scientists are going to just make everything great. You'll be healthy forever. Ain't going to happen. Are you putting your hope in some future spouse that you think is going to meet all your needs? Now, I'm talking to single people right now, not those of you who already have a spouse. Those of you married, you already know that. Fat chance. There's no spouse that's coming along that's going to meet all your needs. Are you putting your hope in some idea that the circumstances that are finally going to change and, you know, you're going to get your rose garden and everything's going to be hunky-dory, never going to happen. Your hope is only as good as what you put your hope in. And a lot of people are putting their hope in all the wrong places. Maybe you've been doing that. The only person who deserves your hope, who deserves your faith, is Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't have a friendship with God like Abraham had a friendship with God, I invite you to do that. I've been a friend of God for over 40 years. I've been a child of God. We sang that for over 40 years. How do you do that? You do it the same way that Abraham did. You put your faith in God. Let's bow our heads. I want to lead us all in a prayer through these points. And then I want to talk to those of you and lead you in a prayer to accept Jesus as your Savior. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes right now, even in your own home or out in the pavilion, and say something like this. Say, Dear God, thank you that my problems are temporary. Can you make that your prayer? Thank you that my problems are temporary, that they didn't come to stay. They came to pass. And thank you, God, that you will use everything that happens in 2020 and in my life for good, even the bad stuff. And thank you that you can use even the bad to bring good in my life. And dear God, help me to remember that getting irritated doesn't help doesn't make the situation better it doesn't control the uncontrollable and help me to remember that turning to you pleases you and please help me to remember that Jesus is coming back someday 
And that's going to change everything. Just like faith works, changes everything. Jesus coming back changes everything. And maybe say something like this and pray and say, Thank you, God, that this is not the end of my story. You know the end. And I trust you with that. It's a good ending. So thank you, God. And then say, Thank you, God, that you're going to reward me one day for my faith and my hope in you. Now, if you want to become a friend of God, a child of God, here's your prayer. You say, Dear Jesus, please come into my life. God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. So as best I know how, I'm turning from depending on me, turning from my sin, my life, and I want to trust you with today, with every day, with everything. Thank you for making me a child of God. God, thank you for calling me your friend. It's in your name I pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who are putting their faith in you, and I pray you'll help them to grow now. That you'll bless us all and help us to keep our eyes on you, especially this week. Our eyes on you this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.